0: The famous baseball player named Yogi Berra, who is credited with this saying when you come to the fork or a fork in the road, take it. Now, it does not mean this like if you're walking down the road and you see a fork in the road, that that's your fork. It's not your fork, probably. So, that's not what it means. Uh, I think there is another picture, maybe, that explains what he means. If if you if you have choices in life, which we all do, we have daily choices in life. When you come to a fork in the road and you've got choice A, choice B, you have to make a decision. This uh, this phrase, this this saying of Yogi Berra, this quote, has been repeated in business meetings and business conferences for many years. Whenever. Uh, The speaker might be challenging those at the conference. You know, you have hard decisions to make in business. You need to make make good choices. It's been repeated at commencement ceremonies when the speaker will challenge or try to inspire the graduates. In life, you're going to have choices. Some of them will be hard choices, but you make good ones. It's been repeated in sermons like this where we're going to be talking this morning about choices in life and how do we make good choices interesting thing about that quote when yogi said that and and he says he he did say that but it wasn't at the time intended to be some deep philosophical type of saying that it's kind of become in our modern culture he was just giving directions to a friend who was coming to his house apparently the way to his house there is a fork in the road And if you take a right or you take a left, it doesn't really matter. They both go to the same place. They both take about the same amount of time. And so Yogi was simply saying to his friend, it really doesn't matter when you come to the fork in the road, if you go right or you go left, just pick one. You'll end up in the same place. It'll take you about the same amount of time. The outcome will be the same. And I I suppose that there are some choices in life. That are like that. It doesn't really matter which one you pick. If you were to have a choice between pretzels or potato chips, it doesn't really matter. Just pick one that you like. Pepsi, Coke, it doesn't matter. The outcome will be the same. Just pick the one that you like. There are things in life that are like that. There are choices that don't have a lot of weight or consequence to them. But there are a lot of choices. There's a ton of choices in life that really do Matter that have great consequences, that have great weight to them in your life and in the lives of other people. You know, choosing which restaurant you go to on a Friday night, even picking out uh, whatever it is on the menu that you're going to eat that night. Pick something. It doesn't really matter, but there are some choices that have eternal consequence. The most important decision that you will ever make this, on this side of the grave, the most important choice you will ever make is what you will do with Jesus. Whether or not you will choose to trust Jesus Christ as your forgiver of sin, as your personal Savior from hell, as the leader of your life. See, when you come to that fork in the road, when you hear the gospel message presented, You come to that fork in the road, one road is going to lead to heaven, the other road is going to lead to hell. That has eternal consequences. That fork matters. That choice in life matters. We'll pause on that one because it matters so much. If you haven't yet trusted Christ as your forgiver, as your Savior, if you haven't yet chosen to begin following Jesus, we strongly encourage you to Either make that choice today, or at least move towards a better understanding of what that really means to follow Jesus. A few ways that you can start stepping towards that decision in faith, come and talk to a pastor, we'd love to sit down and talk with you, we can make an appointment sometime this week. There are believers in this room, followers of Jesus Christ in this room that you might know. I Guarantee they would love to have that conversation with you. You'd make their year if you would come and say, I don't really understand what it means to follow Jesus, uh, live a Jesus-centered life. Would you walk me through that? They would love to have that conversation. There's the I'm ready button on our website that will give you the basics of the gospel. You can start there. On the website from the sermon last week, that would be a great place to start Uh, the sermon last week about chosen, about salvation. There's lots of places that you have the opportunity. There's really no excuse to walk out of here today with no clue about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we hope that you'll make that choice to pursue faith in Jesus. And if we can help in any way, please, please let us know. Because that decision's forever. There's other choices in life that really have great consequence. They are life-altering And maybe when you think about life-altering decisions in life, you think about uh, career choices, which is true, Uh, education choices, like where you're going to go to college. That's true. There's a lot of weight to that. Those are important decisions. But the second most important choice you will ever make this side of the grave is who you will marry. You need to take that one seriously. You You can change careers. You can change colleges. But if you go into marriage with this idea that eh, I mean, it doesn't work out, we'll just change, we'll get someone different. If that's your attitude going into marriage, you're in for a lot of heartache. Because it just, it's a heartbreaking thing to walk through. Number one choice that matters the most is what you're going to do with Jesus. second biggest choice you'll ever make is who you marry. But there are other choices in matter, or life that really matter. There are moral and ethical questions about right and wrong that will impact your life, that will impact the lives of people around you. What I've noticed, and you may have noticed this in our American culture, that the, the belief about what is right, the belief about what is wrong is getting wider and wider as far as the conclusions that people have in our country. And one of the most glaring examples of that would be a pregnant woman in our country is told, you have a choice of whether or not you will give birth. That's a a pretty big choice, right? What criteria would we use to make that type of choice? Well, it depends on who you ask. There is a really wide gap between the conclusions of what is right and what is wrong. That's got a lot of weight to it. Some choices in life might seem small, they might seem insignificant at the time, but over time, all of those choices tend to add up to life defining realities, like how you choose to spend your time, how you choose to spend your money, how you choose to spend your energy. It's going to lead us somewhere in life, it always does. Those forks in the road, those choices, they lead somewhere. They don't all have the same outcome in life. Well, what criteria should we use to make those choices about our time and our money, our energy? As I think about choices in life, I have noticed that some people seem to be really good at making good choices. And you might know people like that. Maybe you're one of them. I've also noticed that there are some people that just seem like they are intent on making bad choices. Like, my goal in life is to make as many bad choices as possible today. Maybe you know people like that. I've also noticed that there are some people that just seem really good at making choices, some big, some small, but they they're just good at making them rather quickly with ease and with confidence. And there are other people that hesitate. It's like they're paralyzed with fear and indecisiveness and and they just don't seem to be able to make a decision to make a choice and And it's resulted, I'm sure at times, in a loss of opportunity because they waited too long. Or it's like, well, I'll just let someone else make the choice for me. I don't know where you would fall in some of those categories, but whether uh, you would want to make better choices in life or just have more confidence that the choices that you are making are good ones, we all have to consider our criteria for making those choices. And you have a criteria. We all do. We all have a checklist that we use to make choices. Now, some of those criteria, some of those checklists are pretty simple and short. It could be as simple and as short as whatever benefits me the most, that's what I'm going with. Right? There There's some people... That's as far as it goes. If it benefits me, I'm in. If it doesn't, I'm out. Sometimes people make decisions on, uh, what what is my heart telling me? Whatever feels right in the moment, that's what I'm going to do. Some people have a criteria or a checklist that is more complicated than that. They say, well, how does this choice line up with my goals in life? How does this choice Align with my priorities in life. Of course, if that's the criteria, then you have to first establish what are your goals? What are your priorities? A little more complicated way of making choices in life. Of course, you're sitting in church this morning. You're watching a service, a church service online. So you know eventually I'm going to get to this as our source for helping us make choices, getting the Word of God. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus... If you're really not that concerned about what God has to say about choices, the reality is you get to pick whatever you want. You get to put whatever you want on that criteria for making choices. You craft it however you want. You can base all of your life choices around a political ideology, you can base all of your life choices about whatever's going to result in popularity. You can base all of your life choices on whatever it is your cat's telling you to do that week. Right? Anything. I would not be super confident in that criteria for life. Because there's just some choices in life that matter too much. I know it might sound attractive to say, yeah, I get to put whatever I want on that checklist, I get to craft the criteria so it best benefits me. It might sound attractive. To me, it sounds like a lot of trial and error. To me, it sounds like whenever you come to a fork in the road, take it. See where it goes. Thankfully, God has given us a much better criteria for making choices in life. And it is based on His infinite wisdom. You and I don't have infinite wisdom, but God does. And so, to establish or root our choices in His infinite wisdom, that's going to give you and I a lot more confidence that we are making good choices in life. What I'd like to do this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I would like for us to begin building. Maybe you have one. Maybe you already have a solid biblical criteria, a solid biblical checklist that you work through when you're making choices in life. And if you do, that's awesome. If it's working and it's rooted in the wisdom of God, stick with it. If you don't, then I'm really hoping and praying that what we talk about this morning is going to be super helpful to you as we begin to build this criteria that is, that is biblically rooted in the wisdom of God. And I'm hoping it's going to give you a lot more confidence to make good choices as you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, let me remind you of what we are reading. It is a handwritten personal letter from the Apostle Paul and his ministry team written to the believers in the city of Thessalonica. But you're not just reading just a, a letter from some guys in the, in the ancient past. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit, which means what we're reading is the Word of God, the breath of God on the page so we can have confidence that what we are reading is rooted in the wisdom of God. And what we find out in chapter 2 is that Paul made a series of choices. When he went to Thessalonica, he made a series of choices, and he used a certain criteria that motivated those choices. And I think that as we look at those, uh, those decisions, we look at those choices and the criteria that he used to make them, I think it's going to be super helpful for you and I to build a checklist, to build a criteria for choices in our everyday lives. When I come to a fork in the road, when my children come to a fork in the road, I, I don't want to just pick one. It might be a difficult choice. I want a criteria that is rooted in the wisdom of God. And I think that this short section of God's Word is going to help us develop that. So here we go. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's set the stage for what we're going to be looking at. Paul writes, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Well, why would they think it possibly could have been a failure? Well, they were only there a month, six weeks at, at... best, and they had to leave. There was this riot that broke out, people got hurt, and they had to leave the city. And from a human perspective, it might seem like, well, that wasn't even worth our time. What a failure. And Paul says, no, it wasn't a failure. Yeah, it didn't turn out though, maybe the way that we would have liked. It was a shorter visit than we wanted. Not a failure. Verse 2, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there yet our god gave us the courage to declare his good news to you the gospel of jesus to you boldly in spite of great opposition paul and his ministry team they made a choice they made a choice to go to thessalonica to continue the mission of sharing the gospel of jesus christ even though uh, what happened in Philippi was really rough. Now, the people in Thessalonica knew exactly what happened in Philippi because Paul told them, but you might not. You might not know that story. You might not know what happened in Philippi before they got to Thessalonica. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This week, you can write this down somewhere, Acts chapter 16. Acts, that's the book of Acts, chapter 16, records that story. I want to encourage you this week to read it. I'm going to give you a brief summary of what happened there, kind of give you the highlights. But I want to challenge you to go back. There's some amazing things that God did in Philippi that you don't want to miss out on. Here's a quick summary. As Paul and his ministry team were were in Philippi, they came across this slave girl. And the slave girl was possessed by a demon. Now, that's a real thing. That really happened. And her slave owners, they were using... Uh, this girl and, and uh, what was happening in her life, they were using her to trick people into thinking that she could tell the future. And they were making a lot of money doing it. Paul meets this young girl, has compassion on her, and through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Spirit, he heals this young girl and, and casts the demon out of her. It's an incredible thing. Really a good, uh, an incredible thing for this young woman, but it was not so great for the slave owners because now they've lost their source of significant income, and they were ticked. So they went to the authorities, they explained what happened, and they want something to be done about it. Paul and Silas get arrested, they got beaten, put in jail, And that's where I really want you to spend some time this week in Acts 16. I'm not going to tell you how, but uh, miraculously, God gets them out of jail. It's it's an amazing story. You want to read it? Acts 16 this week. The charges were eventually dropped, and they moved on from Philippi to Thessalonica. Now, I want you to think about that experience. Yeah, it's an ancient story uh, about people that you never met. And it's really easy to say, yeah, that's fine. Step into that moment. If that was you, if you got arrested, if you were beaten and put in jail because you were telling people about Jesus, that'd be a rough experience. How motivated would you be to keep going? Paul had to make a choice. Do we keep going to Thessalonica or do we just give up? I mean, that was rough. Let's just go home. It wasn't worth it. He gets to Thessalonica. It happens all over again. Right? There's this riot that breaks out. Some guy named Jason gets his house raided and he gets arrested. They have to leave and go to the next place. I mean, at what point does Paul and his ministry team just say, this isn't worth it, guys. This is too hard. We're at the fork in the road. Do we keep going or do we go home? And Paul says, we're going to keep going. What would motivate him to do that? What would motivate his heart to make that choice? Because it wasn't an easy choice to make. I wonder what criteria you would have used to make that choice, to keep putting yourself at risk like this. One of the things I know it wasn't uh, on the criteria list was fear. There's no way that fear was motivating Paul To keep moving on. You ever made a decision? You ever make a choice based on fear? Now, some choices, uh, fear can be a healthy thing, right? That that fear can be healthy if it keeps us from doing something stupid that doesn't really matter. But fear, if we're going to do things in life that matter, if we're going to do things in life that God's calling us to do, fear cannot be part of the criteria by which we make those decisions. If that were the case, I mean, think about if fear drove decisions on things that matter. No one would ever get rescued from danger. You wouldn't have people running into burning buildings. You wouldn't have people running towards danger and making those choices to put themselves in risk if fear had the last word on what to do in that situation. You wouldn't have people fighting for our freedoms and In other places in the world, if fear had the last word, we we wouldn't have people that would share the gospel of Jesus Christ if it meant any type of risk involved, if fear had the final word on these life choices. So we know it wasn't fear that was driving these choices in Paul's life and his ministry team, and it shouldn't be in ours either. Not every choice in life is easy. Some choices are going to cost us something. Some choices are going to require sacrifice. Some choices are going to be inconvenient, maybe even dangerous. You might come to a fork in the road in life, and you just feel the weight. There's two choices, maybe more. You've got these choices to make, and you feel the tension because you know they're not going to end up in the same place. You know it. But you're not sure what to do, and you stand there wondering, I don't know which choice is the better choice. You feel the tension in that. Well, what's your criteria going to be when you come to hard choices in life? I think as we read down through what it was, now Paul's not going to go in this text here that we're going to look at and say, okay, here's... Here's the criteria for hard choices. That's not how we're going to approach it. We're going to, we're going to look at Paul's example. He made a hard choice. He did something difficult and, and chose to do it. What was it that was motivating his heart to make that choice? That's what we're going to try to pull out together. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Paul made a choice to do something hard and it was rooted in the truth of the gospel and the truth mattered to Paul enough that he was willing to do something hard. His confidence in what he was doing was rooted in truth. Not false information, not fake news. God's choices, or good choices rather, are based Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, making good choices cannot, should not be dependent on whatever's on social media today. It's not a great place to root our decision-making in. A follower of Jesus is willing to make hard choices and have confidence in those choices because they are rooted in the truth and the wisdom of God's Word. So we're going to break that down into a, a practical application like this. If whatever, you come to a fork in the road, whatever the choices are before you. If the choice is in conflict with the Word of God, maybe it's in conflict with the principles of God's Word. Maybe the boundary lines that God has established for us. Maybe even in conflict with the promises of God. If it is in conflict with the Word of God, the wisdom of God, it's a bad choice. Simple as that. It's a bad choice. There's no need to rationalize it. There's no need to try to uh, finagle your way around it. It's a bad choice. If it is in agreement with, if it is in alignment with the Word of God, you can be confident it's a good choice because that choice is rooted in the wisdom of God. Paul also says in verse 3 that what was motivating him to continue on and, and to make that choice to do something hard was not rooted in impure motives. Paul's choices were motivated by his belief in the gospel. It was rooted in his love for God, his love for other people. He wanted them to know about Jesus. And for Paul, it was worth the risk of it happening all over again and again and again because his motives were connected to his desire to bring honor to God. Think about our motives for making choices. We do need to ask ourselves, why am I making this choice? What's my motive? Why why am I choosing this and not that? Why do I want to do this? Why do I not want to do that? Why do I want to date this person? Why do I want to go to this college and not that one? Why do I want to pursue this career and not that one? Why do I want to spend my money on this and not on this? Why do I want to spend my time on this, but I don't want to spend my time on that? If we can get to an honest why, and I use that that phrase intentionally, an honest why, because here's what happens. If I asked you, why do you want to do that? Why are you making this choice? Here's what we have a tendency to do. We give an answer based on what we think the person wants to hear, based on something Uh, perhaps that we think is going to make us look good. We have a tendency to do that. Not always. Sometimes we give an honest why answer, but not always. Sometimes what we say out loud, what we verbalize as our why, is not the real why. But here's the danger in that. If we're not willing to get to the real why as far as why we're choosing this and not choosing that, if we're not willing to get to the honest why of that, we're never going to be able to honestly evaluate whether it's pure or not. Paul says, I didn't come with impure motives. How does he know? Well, Because he evaluated his why. and He was honest about his reasons. You want to be able to tell whether or not your motives, your why is pure. You've got to first be willing to explore and, and, and figure out your honest why in the first place. If you're willing to do that, now, now you're ready to test the purity of it. Look at verses 4 to 6. Now we're going to test. Let's, see, let's say that you've been honest and you've gotten to the honest why. Well, let's test the purity. Verse 4, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. What's the good news? The gospel of Jesus. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Let me say that again. His purpose, His why, is to please God, not people. God alone, He alone, examines the motives of our heart. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. What's your why? Paul's why was not about impressing people. It wasn't uh, trying to get the praise or, or to up his status. It wasn't even about selfish greed or money. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to honor God. You know, I think about the... the the contrast between wanting to impress other people and, and uh, wanting to bring honor to God in our choices. And it takes me back to a, a season of my own life. I look back to uh, my junior high days. There was a season, there was a short season in, in my life in which uh, what was motivating the choices in my life, what was top on the list, number one on the list, was impressing my friends. I wanted nothing more than for them to think of me as cool. And if I'm being honest with you, if if you were to look at that checklist, that criteria from that season of my life, I don't know if you would even find honoring God at the bottom of the list. I don't know that it was even on the criteria. God was faithful in that and he continued to pursue my heart and and praise God it wasn't a long season of my life. But when I look back on it now, the only thing that I see that came out of that season of my life is regret over bad choices. I don't see anything that I could point to during that season that would have been positive or God honoring. Just bad choices that I regret. Here's something else I've noticed. Again, thankful for the faithfulness of God in my life. Give Him the glory. But What I've noticed in life is this. At that time in in, in my life, uh, what was motivating me, these bad choices were being made because I wanted the approval of others. I wanted to impress other people. And the way that I chose to get there was through bad choices. As an adult, it just took a different form. It wasn't bad choices to try to impress others. It became good choices. As an adult, it just became, I want to please people so I'll do these good things so that I'll have the approval of other people. It just changed form. And so there's this tension, even as an adult, am I doing these things to honor God or to impress others? Am I doing these things, are these choices because I want to bring honor and glory to God? Or do I want the approval of these Christians that go to my church? Again, thankful for the faithfulness of God in my life who showed this to me over time. And now, where I'm at now... Every Sunday morning, before I stand here and look at you, I pray a a, a number of things. I pray for you. I pray over the service. I pray over all those things that you might think about that a pastor might pray for before he stands up to preach. But every Sunday, before I stand in front of you, I pray, part of my prayer is this. Lord, please remind me that I have no one to impress and only one to honor. God, please remind my heart of that, that I have no one to impress and only one to honor. Because I don't want the things that I do. They might be good things. I don't want them to be about trying to impress people. I want it to be about honoring God. It's very different in our motives. If we can get to the honest why, then we can test the purity of that why. What's it about for you? Are your choices about honoring God? Verses 7 to 9. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. What he's talking about is financial obligation. He said, as a traveling preacher, uh, we could have demanded that you support us financially. That's what he means. But instead, we were like children among you. We were like a mother feeding and and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only the good news, but also our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden uh, to any of you as we preached the good news, God's good news, to you. What was happening, uh, Paul made a choice. He could have said, I'm this traveling preacher, and uh, it's your responsibility to financially support what we're doing. He had every right to do that, but he didn't. He made a choice to have another job, and the reason that he made that choice, he was uh, either a tent worker, uh, worked in leather. Uh, He he had this job that he and his ministry team would do to support them so that they didn't have to ask for uh, a dime, from the people that they were sharing the gospel with. And the reason he made that choice was because at that time, there would have been traveling preachers, uh, what you and I might today know as hucksters that would come through, and uh, they would deceive people, and they would make all these claims, all of these promises, uh, claim that they could do these miracles, and just give us the, the money, and we'll do these miracles. There were people like that in the ancient world, And so traveling preachers, oftentimes people were very suspicious of them. And Paul didn't want that. He he didn't want anything to get in the way of the gospel being received with confidence. And so they made a choice to work long, hard, hot hours without much pay. But it was worth that to them because they loved these people. Yes, they believed in the truth of the gospel. But it was worth it to them because they knew how that decision was going to impact the people in Thessalonica. And that mattered to them. As a follower of Jesus, it's so important that we take into consideration how our choices impact other people. I've been having a lot of really great conversations with my son, He is thinking about, praying about different career options. He's 17 years old. Some of you remember what this is like. There's like this stress there. What's after high school? There's all these choices. Where do I go to school? What career path do I want to pursue? It's a a lot to ask of a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old. And so we've been having a lot of these, I think, really good conversations. And uh, we're praying about it together. We're pursuing what God would uh, have as the next step in his life. And as we have the conversations, the way I try to approach that, if this is helpful to you, is just to ask questions. I ask questions, more practical ones, like, well, what are you good at? Let's start with that. What are you good at? What do you like to do? What don't you like to do? What aren't you good at? Those are good baseline type of questions. I also ask things like this. What kind of life do you want? And what I mean by that is, there are certain careers, there are certain jobs in which having a family life where you've got the freedom, you've got the margin in your schedule, in your time, to be able to really invest in your marriage, to be able to really invest in your family life and be at those ball games. There are certain careers where that's really, really hard. And you have to make a choice. Is that, is, are you willing to make trade-offs? in certain areas of life, for what you really want? So we're we're pursuing those kinds of questions because uh, one day, God willing, he'll have a family. He'll have a church family. I don't know if it'll be this church family or if God will lead him somewhere else, right? Do you you want to have the margin in your time, in your schedule, to be able to invest uh, some of that time in your church family? These are important questions. Those choices in life don't just impact him, they impact his future wife, his future children, if God's willing, uh, his future church family, his community. Yes, moral and ethical choices impact us and the people around us. That's absolutely true. But so do our choices about time, our choices about money, our choices about our energy and, and, and where we invest our energy, that can impact people in a positive way or a negative way. Our choices are not a rock that falls with a thud in the desert that no one notices. Our choices are a rock that falls in the middle of a pond that's with a splash, and, and those choices ripple out from us, and they impact other people. And for the follower of Jesus Christ, that should matter. It shouldn't just be, well, what, whatever benefits me the best, that's what I'm going to go with. As a follower of Jesus, we should love people enough that we would consider how our choices impact the people around us. Do you love people enough? Like Jesus did, do you you love people like Jesus did enough that you think about how your choices are impacting your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your church family, the people that you work with, the people in your community. Last one, 10 to 12. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless "...towards all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live in a way that God would consider worthy, for He called you to share in His kingdom of glory." What was motivating Paul to continue on making hard choices, putting himself at risk, was the sake of the gospel. He wanted these people's lives to be changed by Jesus Christ. And that motivated him to make hard choices. When you think about your, your why, it's important that we think about how our reasons, our choices, impact the message of the gospel. Imagine if Paul had been in Thessalonica and his example as a follower of Jesus was lousy. That would have impacted those people in a profound negative way. And Paul says no. But, but instead, it mattered how we lived. The choices that we made mattered, and we wanted to make good choices that, uh, that honored God because we knew that that was going to impact the message of the gospel when you heard it. Our moral choices that we make, our behavioral choices, our choices about time and money and energy, they all communicate something about the gospel. Good or bad? Are we communicating with our choices that Jesus really does transform lives? That's what we're claiming. We claim that about the gospel of Jesus. Do, do our life choices reflect that that is true or not? You know, some choices that we make are going to help people meet Jesus and some aren't. Some choices that we make are going to help people want to follow Jesus and learn how to do that and some aren't. And taking the time to think through that and the impact that our choices have in other people's lives is going to help us make much better choices. Some of those choices are going to be hard, some are going to require sacrifice, some might be dangerous and put us at risk. You know, Paul, he left Philippi and he came to this fork in the road. And he had to make a choice Am I going to keep going? and doing what god's called me to do or it just isn't worth it anymore. Let's get home, guys. This this is no fun at all. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. There there's some choices I suppose in life that that's going to work just fine. But there are a lot of choices in life that matter that have consequence. And to approach those choices as, eh, just pick one, I just don't think is wise. The choices that are hard, we're not going to have motivation. If it's a hard choice and it's not going to be fun, it's going to be hard to find a a motive if the only thing you're worried about is yourself, right? There better be something a lot deeper and a lot more meaningful than, is it going to benefit me? You're probably not going to do it. And it might matter a lot. There is a much better criteria than just pick one. There's a much better criteria than how does this benefit me? There's a much better criteria than just go with your heart. Our hearts are wicked, our hearts can deceive us, emotions can be fickle. That is not a great way to make choices. The wisdom of God is. When you leave, I dropped this, I'm going to grab it here. When you leave today, I'm going to ask you to make a choice. And it's going to require some effort. I could have given these out to you as you came in, but I chose not to do that because I'm going to ask you to make some effort. Now, to be fair, it's not a lot of effort. It's like right by the door. You can handle this. But making the effort, making the choice to pick up this card, it looks like this. It's just a simple checklist. And when you come to a fork in the road, on the next choice that you have to make, maybe it's big, maybe it's small, maybe it has a lot of consequence or not. Run it through. I, I loved what uh, Deb started out our worship time, and she talked about things that she of significance that she keeps in her Bible. This might be the perfect place, right? The Bible might be a perfect place to keep this. Maybe somewhere uh, in your home where you have access to it, and you'll see it. But Run those choices through the checklist. Does it line up with the truth of God's word? You might not have to make it any farther than that. If it doesn't line up with God's word, done. You're done with the checklist. You know what the choice is. Okay, it lines up with the truth of God's word. What's the next one? Is it going to bring honor to God? You might not have to go any farther than that. If this is not going to honor God, you're done. You're done with the choice. It lines up with the truth of God's word. It brings honor to God. Is it going to demonstrate the love of Jesus? Is this, going to, is this choice going to help advance the gospel or is it going to harm the gospel in some way? Simple checklist. And you might have one, right? You might have one that works, that is, that is rooted and, and, and founded in the wisdom of God. Awesome. But this might be helpful for a lot of us to have some criteria To make these decisions and choices in life, I hope it will be helpful to you.